Yeah, we are in week three of the joy of generosity, and it's been great. Like, we've been able to see that joy already start to spread in our church. Uh, last week, we were able to give out $100 to 15 different people across all of our campuses, all of our services. And it's been really cool to hear the stories of what they're already doing and, and the inspiration that they have to put that money towards God's purposes, to build God's kingdom. Uh, we, we had people who have been longtime members of Sherwood Oaks, all the way to someone who was here. This, that was their sixth week that they were ready to go on a mission for, for God. And, and before several of them even left uh, last Sunday morning, people had already come up to them and said, hey, here's another $100 to throw onto that, uh, just to see that multiply. And so that's really exciting. Uh, and then number two, we, we have a, a generous donor um, as we go into our gratitude offering that Quentin talked about at the beginning of the service, a generous donor that said, I wanna put up a $25,000 match Matching gift. And so for the first $25,000 that comes into our gratitude offering to go towards church planting in North India, to go towards ultrasound machines in, to, to Hope Resource Center in Bedford, it's going to be matched. And so man, please uh, consider giving generously to, to that fund. And, and a few weeks ago, just to show the generosity of our, of our church. A few weeks ago, one of our receptionists answered the phone and it was, it was kind of an, an interesting conversation at first because the, the voice on the other end um, was just one of those like really countrified ver, ver voices. And, and he said, um, I, I wanna speak to the head hog at the trough. <laughs> and, and our receptionist was like, excuse me, what? And so he said a little bit louder, I want to speak to the head hog at the trough. And, and so she was like, sir, I, I think that you're talking about our lead minister, Sean, but you need to address him more respectfully than, than that. And, and he said, oh, I don't mean any offense. I just want to make a $10,000 gift to the church. And she said, oh, oh, hold on just a second. I think the big pig just walks in. <laughs> okay, that didn't actually happen, but... But I think what it speaks to is this stereotype that people have about the church. Maybe, maybe you even have. That the church, all that we talk about is money. All that we want is money, particularly your money. That people like me and my position, um, you know, we need the latest kicks on our feet. Uh, we need nice houses. We need big cars. You know, we need all of this. And so... God needs to bless us and he's gonna do it through you. And while that might be true for some, I, I, I don't know a single person that's in my position in our community. We've got some good, good servants and leaders in our community who love the Lord and love the church. I, I don't know of the guys that I'm connected with in ministry across the country that, that would say that this is, what they care most about. In fact, they don't even act like that's what they care most about. I can't speak for every church and every person because I'm sure that we can probably think of exceptions to this, but I can speak for this church that when we talk about generosity, when we talk about giving, it's not because we want anything from you. It's because we want something for you. And I hope that that in my time here and as we've talked about this over the last few weeks and other times in my ministry here, I hope that my actions and our actions as a church has proven this. That when we talk about money, it's not because we want something from you. It's because we want something for you. 
We, we want you to experience joy when it comes to your finances. Money is a part of our everyday lives. We make financial decisions all the time. Some are small, some are big, but every single day we are making financial decisions. So we want to speak into that. Money continues to rank among the leading causes of stress and anxiety in our life and and in our relationships. And we believe that the word of God has a lot of wisdom to speak about it. 15% of everything that Jesus talked about, whether it's a a direct teaching or it was a story that he told, 15% of what Jesus talked about revolved around money. And it's not because he wanted your money. It's because he didn't want your money to have a hold of you. He didn't want it to grasp onto you so tightly that it squeezed everything else out. And so we don't talk about money or generosity because we want something from you. We want to talk about it because it matters, because it's a matter of the heart. We want for you to experience freedom from the death grip that money can have. We, we want for you uh, to, to, uh, to surrender every aspect of your life to Jesus, including your checkbook, which I said to um, like a Gen Zer recently, and they're like, my what? You're, you're checking accounts. My what? <laughs> your cash, man, your Venmo account. I don't know. We wanted to surrender to Jesus We want for you to experience the joy of generosity. And here's the truth, whether we want to admit it or not, all of us have something in our heart that fights against that joy of generosity, that wants to come in and just snatch it away. And and, and it's something that we can easily see in others, but we don't want to think about it being an us because it's not like the best characteristic. It's not very admirable. And you know what it is? It's greed. Greed is the enemy that wages war in our hearts against the joy of generosity. And nobody wants to think of themselves as a greedy person. It's, it's an ugly characteristic. It is right up there with being prideful or jealous or a Purdue fan. Like nobody <laughs> wants to be one of those people. Mitch, sit down, sit down. <laughs> But we probably all have more greed in our hearts than what we want to admit. It has a way of sneaking into our lives and taking root. And it is a root that goes down deep inside of some of us. And the only way to get rid of greed is to kill it with generosity. Giving is the only light that is going to drive out the darkness of greed in my heart or As Ron Blue told me over lunch a couple of weeks ago, the only way to break the power of greed is to give. God knows this, which is why I think that he invites us into the rhythms of generosity for this to be something that we practice regularly. We we see that God established rhythms of generosity in the Old Testament and in the New. If you have a Bible or Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. That's going to be our text today. And in our text, the Apostle Paul has just spent the last chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, talking about the resurrection of Jesus and why it matters, everything that it does in the life of the, the believer And then he turns his attention from from the resurrection to the church, to the gathered body of Christ, what we are doing in this place right 
now. And, and he talks about how the resurrection then informs what we do in here how we retell and recreate the gospel, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection through, through singing and through prayers and through communion. And one of the ways that we retell the story of the gospel is through our giving. It is, it is remembering that our generous God gave everything for us. And so we give in response to that so that others may know the generosity of the Father in their life as well. And so in chapter 16, what we see is that worship rooted in the resurrection of Jesus results in the rhythm of generosity. Look at it with me, starting in verse one. We also have the words up on the screen. Paul says now about the collection for the Lord's people, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. The collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, when the church gathered, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made because they've been made incrementally week by week. And so after giving this passionate plea for us to root our lives in the resurrection of Jesus, Paul turns now to the rhythms of generosity that reflects the generous nature of our God. Paul, Paul was using these, these offerings that he was collecting to help the church in Jerusalem. Uh, these brothers and sisters in Christ, had, and many of them had lost everything because they were following Jesus. They'd been separated from their community, separated from their families. Uh, they'd been separated from their jobs and they were struggling. And so Paul was collecting money from all of these churches uh, to, to come alongside and provide support and relief and assistance for the Jewish Christians. And so when Paul says, when you gather for worship each week, set aside a certain amount of money, what he says is according and keeping with your income. What does that mean? And keeping with your income. Well, a common understanding of this is the tithe. The tithe is a word that, that means a tenth part. And it was a portion of a person's resources set aside for the Lord. The rhythm of the tithe was established all the way back in the, in the Old Testament. God was about ready to lead his people into the promised land, this land that, that was described as flowing with milk and honey. It was filled with resources. And God knew that his people who had just lived 400 years in Egyptian slavery, they just spent 40 years wandering in the desert. They were about ready to come into this place that was filled with all of this abundance of resources. And the temptation was for them to put their trust in the gift of God rather than the God who gave it. That, that their temptation would be to hoard all of that blessing for them which leads to that prideful heart. And so to protect their hearts from this, God establishes this idea of the tithe. Look at Leviticus 27, verse 30. It says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. You remember what that word holy means. It means set apart. It's to be set apart for the Lord. One out of every 10 is to be set apart for the Lord. Not because the Lord needs it, 
but because he doesn't want us to hold a grip onto our hearts. He didn't want them to start trusting their resources more than they trusted him. Our resources will always fail us. God never will. And so he's wanting to instill this practice to remind them that he will be their provider. Not hold on to these things with closed fists. And then we get into the New Testament. And tithing is actually never directly mentioned in the New Testament. When Jesus talks about giving, he doesn't talk about a 10%. When the New Testament writers talk about giving, they don't mention the tithe. The tithe is actually really never referred to in the, the New Testament as what we are directed to give. And so some people take that to, to think, well, the tithe was just kind of done away with in the, in the New Covenant. But when we look at the, the teachings of Jesus, they they don't get easier. Like Jesus always raises the bar, not lowers it. He, he says, you know, you've heard not to kill, but I'm telling you, like, even if you get angry, that, there's something in your heart that needs to be rooted out. And, and so Jesus doesn't come along and like lower the spiritual bar in our giving. He, he raises it. When Jesus talks about giving, he doesn't talk about a percentage. He talks about the whole thing. The question for Jesus is not how much do you have to give? The question is how much do I trust God to provide what I need? I like how Randy Alcorn puts it in his book, The Treasure Principle. He says, every New Testament example of giving goes far beyond the tithe. However, none fall short of it. And so why should the rhythm of the tithe, uh, giving this 10% of our income, be the starting point rather than the finish line? I want to look at just three reasons that I've experienced in my own life. First, I believe the rhythm of tithing kills the greed inside of our hearts. Greed and generosity cannot live in the same heart. A greedy person is not generous. A generous person is not greedy. They will, they will constantly fight each other to the death, whichever one resides more inside of you. Generosity, though, always kills greed. It wins every time. And I know this because I've experienced it in my life. When Amber and I got married, uh, I, I was what you could call a greedy person. Um, I kind of held things to myself. I'd been a follower of Jesus for about five years when we got married. I don't know that I'd ever given anything to the church at that point. And I'd been serving on a church staff for about two years then. Anytime I would get a little extra, my first thought was, ooh, I can finally go and get that thing that I've been wanting. My, my greed was, was suffocating um, any kind of generous seed that God wanted to grow in me. My wife, though, on the, on the other hand, is an incredibly generous person. In fact, I would say that it's one of her spiritual gifts. It is beautiful to watch my wife use her gift of generosity, use that gift to, to try to be a blessing to others. And, and what I found early on in our marriage is that my greed was actually getting in the way of my wife using her spiritual gift. And that was incredibly convicting to me. I would, I would sooner rack us up with more debt than give anything away. And my wife started to, to kind of force us into these rhythms of generosity that were really hard for me at first. 
we would write that check and I would see it come out of our account and I'm thinking, oh, that hurts. <laughs> but over time, I realized that her generosity was starting to kill that in me. And, and it was something that started with her doing in our family and then it became, we do it together. And now it, you, you look at our budget and the very first line in our budgeting app, we use every dollar, the very first line is our tithe that we give to Sherwood Oaks because it is a priority for us. We give online every two weeks. That is the rhythm that we are in, not out of some religious obligation, but because one, it is a joy, a joy to give to this church. We do it knowing that God is using what we give, and it's not much, but what we give to make a difference. And number two, we do it because her and I both know that if we don't, that little part of the root that still exists in my heart is going to receive some water and some sunlight, and it's going to grow back quick. And so that's why we give. Now, a couple of words about our online giving platform. A few months ago, uh, we had a, a little team come together uh, that, that just, their goal was to evaluate all of our financial processes and expenses. We, we are constantly striving to be the best stewards of the money that you give to the Lord through Sherwood Oaks that we can possibly be. And what we found is that our current giving platform, which is PushPay, is really expensive compared to the other ones that are out there. Like really expensive. And, and so we started looking for better options and, and we found one called Secure Give that is a fraction of the price and it's not even close. By moving to Secure Give, it is gonna save the church um, $18,000 a year. $18,000 a year. Every $100 that's given online, that means two of those dollars are gonna go towards ministry instead of pay, paying for this platform that, that, we, were, that we were using. And so that is supporting another global missionary at $1,500 a month. That is having funds to be able to, to, to move towards our vision of, of a counseling center. And so we're making this change, not because we love change, but because, man, we, we want to be wise stewards of what God has entrusted to us. And so if you regularly give online, you're going to get an email from us here in the next couple of weeks to kind of give you instructions on how to do that. It's really simple. Um, if you haven't started giving online yet, but you're exploring it, you can go ahead and do that now. It, it won't affect anything. Um, if you have questions about it, Elizabeth Moore, who's our business director, She's going to be down in one of the living rooms, one of the small rooms uh, just outside of the fellowship hall today and on December 3rd. We want to make this as seamless as we possibly can um, because man, we believe that, that we need to be better resources, better stewards of these, of these resources. Okay, a couple more things as we close out. Number two, the rhythm of, of tithing also produces trust. We can say with our words that we trust God in all things, but do our actions show it? A friend of mine told me last week that, that let me see if I can get this right, talk talks and walk talks, but walk talks louder than talk talks. <laughs> Meaning what you do speaks so much louder than what you say. And so tithing is putting actions to our words that we trust God. And then the beauty of it is that it creates more trust in us as we see him provide. 
Unfortunately, the giving habits of many American Christians show that, that, that we talk much better than we walk when it comes to trusting God. According to statistics, the average American churchgoer gives about 2.5% of their income to the church. 25% give nothing at all. And we say that we have trust in God, but then our actions are like, yeah, but God, except for this aspect of my life right over here. And tithing gives us a way to show God that we actually believe what we say we believe about him. And it increases our faith. I co-lead a, uh, a men's group on Wednesday nights uh, with my buddy Brody. And, and so every Wednesday, there are seven or eight guys in their early to mid-20s that meet in my office for a Bible study. Uh, we meet from 8 o'clock to 9.30 at night. Like, I'm the old dude in the group. And I'm like, fellas, this is bedtime for me right now. Uh, but I leave every Wednesday night just exhilarated by their faith, uh, seeing what the Lord is doing in them, the conversations that we have. I, I leave so amped up that, like, I have a hard time going to sleep on Wednesday nights because I'm so encouraged uh, by, by these men. And, and this, in our study uh, video last week, the guy that we're watching uh, was talking about how Satan wants us uh, to keep putting our trust in our money. And, and he said this, he said, giving generously is like punching the devil in the face. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, man, I want to punch the devil in the face by giving generously this week. It's saying, I'm going to trust God more than what I trust in the things that God provides for me. Last thing, the rhythm of tithing involves everyone. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth, not to the wealthy in Corinth, not to the uber spiritual in Corinth. He's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says that this involves everyone. In verse two, he says, on the first day of the week, when you gather each one of you, each one of you should participate in this. Generosity involves all of us because God wants all of us to experience the joy that comes with it. The joy of pooling our resources together to see God move. There's a reason. There's a reason why we want to clap whenever we hear a dollar club story. It's because we know that that dollar that we gave went and it made a difference in the lives of others. Our tithes and our offerings do the same thing. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the, the book, Horton Hears a Who by Dr. Seuss. My mom's maiden name was Horton. And uh, so I grew up very familiar with that, that story. If you're not familiar with it, it's about this elephant named Horton who, who lives in a jungle. And one day he's walking through the jungle and there's this little flower that kind of blows in the breeze by him. And as it is about ready to drift away, his, his large ears catch the sound of something. And so he grabs onto the flower and he brings it in. And to his surprise, he discovers that there is an entire world of people living on a speck that sits on that flower. They're Who's and they live in Whoville. And Horton is blown away by this. And so he starts going through the jungle and telling everyone else about it. But they think that he is out of his mind because they can't hear it. And the more Horton tries to convince them that there is a world of people living on this speck who matter, the more they think he's lost his mind. And finally, they get so tired of it that they decide to destroy the flower. 
And so Horton tries to get all of the Who's in Whoville to yell as loudly as they possibly can so that the people in his world can hear the people in their world. And he can save them. If you haven't seen the movie, sorry, totally just ruined it for you. But I, I looked it up while it was being played. It was made in 2008, so I don't feel like that's on me. All right, so the point... <laughs> The point of it is, is that it was that very last voice, that very last voice that enabled the message to be heard and their world to be saved. And when we talk about generosity and it all, it takes all of us. I can't think of a better picture than that. Whether it's big or small, everything comes together to make a big difference. It might feel like you don't have a lot to offer, but I firmly believe that every part matter. I had a, a friend tell me, a few weeks ago when David started this series, he said, Sean, I've never given to the church. I've just started a new job and it's not much, but I just set up a reoccurring gift for $3 a week. And that's what I'm gonna start giving. I'm gonna see where God goes from there. I was like, what an incredible act of faith that was. It takes all of us doing what we can. There's no better investment than in the kingdom of God. Establishing a rhythm of generosity, it kills the greed inside of us. It produces greater levels of trust in the Father. And when we all do it together, it allows the message of the gospel to be heard in a world that so desperately needs to hear it. The message of Jesus will burst through and people will be saved and lives will be transformed. Our generous God has given us everything that we need for salvation in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And now he invites us into the joy and the rhythm of generosity so that more people may hear the good news of Jesus. May you experience that joy as you practice the rhythms of generosity in your life. God, thank you for being such a generous and gracious God to us. Lord, may we reflect that that not out of an obligation, but out of a true sense of joy that we get to come alongside and partner what you are doing so that more people may hear the life-changing message of Jesus that has transformed our lives. And Father, if there's anybody in here today that maybe is ready to take that step of faith, give them the courage to step into it, to walk towards you, to find the grace and salvation that you've made available to them through Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can watch all of our video content, both current and past, on our YouTube channel? Visit youtube.com slash Sherwood Oaks to watch messages, series, and complete worship services.